0: I'm Bill Hoverston, an actor, writer, producer, stand-up comedian, and the host of But You're Not Funny, a podcast for young-at-heart boomers and boomers-to-be looking to live happier and healthier lives. Hi, I'm Bill Hoverston, and this is another episode of But You're Not Funny. My guest today is Tim Peering. He is a Renaissance man, and I want to tell you but i'd better it's better if he tells you all about the amazing things that he's done and his amazing life so Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show
1: bill thanks a lot uh, i'm uh, I, I feel privileged and I'm glad you thought of me
0: It's my honor and everybody you are in for a treat so Tim, I wanted to, (laughs) you have an amazing career. Bill, you're raising the bar here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am raising the bar, and it's deserved as Uh, well. All right. Okay. So, Tim, I've known you for too many years to count. Let's see, one, two, three. (laughs) I can't count that high, but we met back with an organization called the Inside Edge. It was a group of amazingly forward-thinking and accomplished people contributing something to the world and had amazing skills, and this is how I first came to know you. You master every area that you go into, and yet you have this humility about everything you do. You connect with people at a heart level. So, you wanna say just a couple words about yourself? Yeah, uh, thank you very much, Bill.
1: I'll be be leaving now.
0: (laughs) Okay, interview's done. Thank you folks for coming. This Uh, has been, but you're not funny, and you are funny. (laughs) (laughs) We turned a corner here. (laughs) Yes, you threw me for a loop. That's beautiful.
1: Ever since being a child, I was interested in things. I, I just explored everything. And I went into engineering because I always wanted to know how things operated, both technically and also with people I was very interested in. I even went as far as to study uh, neuro-linguistic programming under John Grinder to just understand how we operate and you mentioned the inside edge, oh my gosh, they're coming up on their thirty fifth anniversary now. That's uh, created our mastery circle. it's It's decades worth uh, of wonderful people. So, yeah. And I will say earlier in my life, I wasn't that interested in family. I was interested in accomplishment and how many certificates and titles could I get?
0: <laughs> yes, the whole, being driven toward a goal and then you achieve that then you set another goal
1: yeah bill i've got rows of goal books and i used to set them in body mind spirit work play and relationships because you need all of those to be um a balanced human being so i i did do that a lot and at the end of the year i would write done after each goal and uh, i know this is geared towards the baby boomers Like after you've climbed a lot of mountains and done a lot of things, what do you do?
0: Yeah. Where you start and then where you go. And then how you how you find your way to where you're supposed to be. I think of it, I think look at your life and it's it's like a like an e-ticket ride. (laughs) Now millennials won't know what that means because (laughs) that ceased to be a thing in nineteen eighty-two. But at Disneyland. As you may recall, they had rides categorized according oh. to which were the most exciting and yeah, those e- and the most expensive the e-ticket rides. So I think of it as kind of like grabbing a, an e-ticket ride uh, in in life. That's 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 what you do. So I wanted to, as a contrast, show you how <laughs> un e-ticket my ride my ride my life has been kind of strange and so in Field of Dreams you may recall the movie. Shoeless mm-hmm. Joe Jackson comes back from the dead, and he appears in a baseball field. He's looking around, and he asks, is this heaven? Kevin Costner replies, mm-hmm. no, it's Iowa. <laughs> now, my first two years of high school, I spent in Iowa. It was, <laughs> it was a tiny town outside the small city of Waterloo, mm-hmm. which was named for Waterloo in Europe. That's where Napoleon was defeated. My father had decided in midlife with four kids to resign a high-level executive position. He was one year short of his pension. Just quit and uprooted us so he could go to seminary and then become a minister. After three years, it was time to select churches. Somehow he missed the memo because he got assigned to a church no one else wanted, rural Iowa. Wow. It was a co- <laughs> yeah. What a story. I know. It was a tiny church. We lived uh, on a dirt road. Our backyard was a cornfield. Uh, our neighbors were farmers, or they worked at the Rath meatpacking plant, or the John Deere tractor factory. Right. It was, Tim, it was a con- culture shock for us. and this, And the town wasn't really ready for us either we came from a different kind of background oh sure yeah you know thrown into this well i I know iowa bill i know you know iowa (laughs) now your experience having grown up there would be different from mine being thrown like a fish out of water into that setting so when my dad he met with the men on the church board and he of this little place it was the only thing left he brought his resume and under education was his seminary degree and his MBA from Harvard. Now, Harvard Business School, you know, it's world famous for uh, graduating CEOs, captains of, of uh, business and, and finance. But these guys at the church really didn't know. So one guy's looking at the resume, he goes, Oh, Harvard Business School. Did you take typing? Uh, the only. Oh no! School, he, seriously, oh he'd heard of like places where where you prepare, uh, learn secretarial yeah. skills. that was a business school. So he, they they didn't they didn't really get it. Uh, my father was really stunned, but it was too late to back out. So we moved there, and he heard guys at the church talking. Uh, overheard them talking about him, and they said, "We'll get rid of him." Boy he had just become the minister. There was a sign in front of the church that listed the minister. Well, it listed the previous minister, but once he came, they wouldn't change it. He kept asking them, would you put my name up there? Nothing doing. So for all intents and purposes, he was old pastor Heater. Now that would have been perfect if he was in a witness protection program, you know, and needed an assumed identity. There it was. My parents had high aspirations for us, so the final straw came when my younger brother came home from school one day announcing what he wanted to be (laughs) when he grew up, Tim, a foreman at the John Deere Tractor Factory. (laughs) That's the night my mother said to my father, we're out of here.
1: We're getting out of here, yeah.
0: And that's it. You know, that, that... now your experience uh, growing up was, of course, completely different because you. Yeah, yeah, it sure was.
1: I I was born in Duluth, Minnesota, which has about six months of winter, and I learned to ski. But we did move to Iowa. My my father was a pilot. He flew during the war. He won the Distinguished Flying Cross. Wow. I was a boy in Des Moines going to school, and a lady used to come by and bring eggs to our house. She said to my mother would it be okay if I picked him up and had him come out and work on the farm and I'll bring him back at night and we'll pay him? And my mother said, of course. And here I was like 12 or 13 and I go out.
0: That was the the first time you got approached by a job, by a recruiter for a job.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's right. I got recruited. A a headhunter. Yes. But the main thing, Bill, is on a farm, children are treated differently. They immediately taught me how to use a tractor. I mean, I was running equipment, and and uh, I was working like men work all day, and I learned to work really hard on the farm. And I also learned about nature, you know, you all these animals. I used to have to shovel the cow manure every day and put it in buckets and throw it outside, and then it would get hard. We'd throw it in a manure sp- and it would throw it all over the, the fields. So, that ability to work hard really helped me later in life. And I think that's one of the key things to mastery oh. uh, you know, and accomplishment
0: is working hard and sticking with it. So, Tim, you showed me something recently based on Michael Utfitch's work with creating a, a pictorial way to look at your life. You had mapped out your life like Disneyland, speaking of e-tickets. Disneyland has Frontierland, Tomorrowland, Main Street, all the, all the different lands are contiguous. They touch each other, mm-hmm. and you can go from one to the other. And you have done this for your life. And I wondered if you could just kind of walk us through, just give an example as though people were looking at this A map of your life, and you started with something called Snowland.
1: Yes, Bill. Um, I was in uh, Duluth, Minnesota, and my mother was ill with tuberculosis when I was very young. And I had the good fortune to be uh, raised for part of my early life by my grandmother, who lived to be 104. She was a wise woman. I was a high-energy child. Um, yep. I would kind of get in trouble in school and so forth.
0: Well, I remember your you're telling that they called you into the principal's office, and what were they going to do with you? I I don't know, put you on drugs or some kind of label you, basically label you as this disobedient, uh, unruly child with all these problems, and you said she came in and straighten them out with with just one sentence.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. She said, there is nothing wrong with him. He is just a very energetic little boy. Mm -hmm. And in my head, everything shifted. That's all I needed to hear. That's all I needed to hear from her and I became okay. So it's important to be okay with yourself when you're coming, especially when you're young and impressionable. Bill, that was um, a a shifting point in my life. Right. Another one, I went into the Marine Corps in a platoon leaders class in college, and this is around Vietnam era. Mm -hmm. There was no fooling around. Your summers, you went and trained in, in an officer's boot camp. It was really harsh, really hard training. Right. So one day, they put everybody in a circle, the whole platoon. And they said, you are going to throw and knock each other out of the circle until there was one person left standing. Wow! And off it went. The whole thing went into a big melee. And at the end, I was the last person standing. And I remember going back to the, the squad bay that night and thinking, you know, I, I am someone, and it was almost Bill, as if I became a man that day. Because yeah. that was a man's world. Uh, the The training for Marine Corps officers going to Vietnam was a man's world. It was, and we were, you know, 18, 19, it's very harsh training. That was validation. But, you know, at the same time, Bill, I was, do, I was accomplishing so that people would look up to me. Uh-huh. Now, they, they had something called military skills in officers training, which includes the obstacle course the uh-huh. rifle range how you shoot rifle and pistol it included swimming it included uh, forced marches it, it included the uh, all of the physical fitness stuff like pull-ups and push-ups and 3 mile run and and night compass courses and all of that the guy who did the best in that got an award called the military skills award and i ended up getting that out of a couple hundred officers Yeah, I was so focused and so directed, and I practiced, and I practiced, and then everybody looked up to me, and so my feeling was that, okay, if I can do big accomplishment, I will be accepted and and respected, which is true, but uh, by the same token, that's kind of a driven way, uh, you know, to be in life, because... (laughs) You're looking to the outside for validation, I guess, is the best way. Now, later on, you can look to the inside for validation, but uh, I had not learned that yet.
0: Right. No, that's a key um, realization and insight that you just said right there, Tim, because how many people do we know that all they know is just seeking the validation from other people? And if other people say you're good, then they believe that they're good but they don't find it from within, they find it uh, out there somewhere.
1: Absolutely, and, and that's, uh, that's a tough, uh, tough route to go on because people's egos, they are, it's me versus them, it's, you know. Uh-huh. When, when I got into the corporation, I finally became a vice president. I cannot believe the fighting that I had to do to, to fight for budget for my people you're going against other officers and, and there's one pie and, and, you know, you're trying to get a piece of the pie for your people and take care of them. And, and there's this stuff going on. I mean, the competition in the business world, the competition yeah. in the military is uh, is intense. And even in the university, the, the American dream is competition. Uh-huh. You're the winner, you know, you're a you game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Somebody
0: else loses. It it was
1: wonderful to accomplish all those things at the same time. But as you as you grow older, you start to change your focus from the outside to the inside. Yeah. That's one thing. But you still have an outside focus in that you want to mentor and share your wisdom and your abilities with others. That is, there's just nothing better than that. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to do. At the same time, you are now starting to delve down into who you are Uh and and that there's a false sense of who you are, your ego has a, it's a totally false sense, it's it's illusory.
0: You've studied in six styles of martial arts, you have black belts in five of those. Yes. I don't know a single person the, who, who could say that except for you?
1: It started out as a boy in Snowland. I used to get beat up a lot. I had to become strong just because getting beat up is horrible, especially if there's a group of them well, sure. having you in an alley in a corner and they're all punching you in the stomach and stuff. It was just horrible. Yeah. So I had to become strong. And I remember reading about Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson used to get beat up. And when he was a kid, and he he had to become strong, he became, you know, the world heavyweight professional uh, that he was champion. And so,
0: that's st- even before he developed a taste for ears. <laughs> See, Bill, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. Kevin. No, <laughs>
1: no, that brought it up. I'll tell you, I love off the cuff humor, you know, stuff. <laughs> Like it's spontaneous to the moment. That was great, Bill. I'm giving you a a, a, a rating of ten on that one.
0: Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Remember, just remember it to, to uh, like and share and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> Little well, after
1: all, this is so you're not funny,
0: right? Okay. Yes, this is. But you're not funny. But you're not funny. In fact, in fact, we're gonna take. A little break right now, and we'll be (laughs) right back. This is But You're Not Funny. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our website, butyourenotfunny.com. And we're back. This is But You're Not Funny, and I'm Bill Hoverston. My guest today is Tim Peary a master of many skills and an amazing journey through life so we are talking about the things that that make us who we are and what we do and how we change and significant moments realizations paths that we take it's it's almost it's too much to talk about but but we're giving it a shot i remember you were in a restaurant as i recall and some incident happened. There was a yeah, commotion. Yes,
1: I remembered. yeah. Uh, it was in a downtown restaurant in downtown Los Angeles. I was okay. at a table for four people. And a man came in, he was drunk, and he got into some sort of uh, spat over the bill, I think, at the register. Uh-huh. Uh, and there was a woman with a tray. He knocked the tray into the air. Uh-huh. And all this stuff crashed on the floor. The owners were really upset. Later on, I find, found out this kind of thing happens a lot. They were at the end of their row. They start beating on this guy. And I, uh, I just couldn't sit there. So I jumped up and I actually broke him up. And that's when the guy pulled out of his back pocket. It's a leather thing uh, okay. with lead weights in it. Uh. So if you hit somebody in the head, it, it doesn't make a mark, but it knocks them out. Ouch! So I broke him up and then he added up and he goes, you want some of this? You want some of this? And I put my hands up, which is the most effective defensive posture I can do a lot here with my hands up. Uh But it also looks like, no, no. It looks like surrender. It looks like surrender, (laughs) but putting your hands up, you are that far from someone's face or blocking, Mm -hmm. you know, And I had a moment of truth there. I had people sitting at the table. I could have been Karate Joe and taken both. I knew in my heart I could have just wasted both of these guys. Right. And I said, no, I just want you to stop beating him. The thing about martial arts is if if you know that you can really destroy somebody, you, you don't ever have to use it. And they actually drug the guy into the back room. I just couldn't stand there. I knew the guy was going to get beat. So I followed into the kitchen and I said, look, if, if you want to call the police, that's okay, uh-huh. but you're not going to beat him." And then wow. one of the owners, wow. heard, yes, there's something called key or chi in martial arts. Right. That's an internal force or energy. I was just, I was not going to let that happen, but I was calm about it. And so that's when one of the owners turned towards me and he spilled his heart out. He goes, you have no idea how hard it is to run a restaurant down here. We weren't in a good area of town and people come in and they ruin everything and they make a mess and they they come in drunk. And he just unloaded his like restaurant life story. Oh. to me and i just sat there and i accepted it man now there's there's a there's a practice uh called tong lin bell uh it's an eastern practice in in uh, tibetan buddhism you take in you physically mentally take in other people's suffering and you send them back good intention and and so forth after he got to unload then he settled down and they mm. settled down and the guy didn't get beat. And actually they did call the police. Police came and mm-hmm. and I had to go back to my table and try and eat my dinner.
0: After that. <laughs> With the other people, oh. you know. <laughs> oh my God. That's...
1: Oh my God. You, you, you just never know what's going to happen in life. But um, uh, well, it it, it's a... tr- training makes a difference.
0: It was a quick <laughs> turn. And what was fascinating too is that the tables turned And now the attacker was going to get probably beaten, which is fascinating because you had the ability to be flexible and yet deal from the heart regardless. And wow, did he ever respond to you?
1: And the main thing is with martial arts, someone calls you a jerk or whatever, you know, you don't have to fight. You knew what you could do. I fight all the time in the dojo.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. I, I did take, Uh, I did study jujitsu with a guy who had, um, he had actually been an Israeli commando. So I think he mixed a lot of the, I don't know. (laughs) To this day, I can't tell you what, which was this. Yeah, that's
1: Krav Maga. It's a very intense fighting form. Absolutely.
0: One time he ended the class and we were all kneeling respectfully and he did something different, Tim. They turned the lights down barely see anything. He kneeled in front of each one of us, one at a time, and looked us up and down and told us where we had had injuries, a broken bone uh, that I had had from years ago. He's right there. And I was like, astounded. He could apparently see the break, the break in, in the energy flow, the key. Yeah. So it's just, it's beyond, it's beyond just Learning to do a body throw or a kick. Oh yeah. Like There's that. a man named
1: Masoyama who started a karate s- style. This guy was uh, horrendously strong and big. He used to punch a pine tree till it died. He used to take on bulls and chop their horns off. There's, uh, he's famous. There's a lot of pictures of him. I got to meet him actually in Chicago. Uh, and his ultimate statement on the martial arts, yeah, was, it's not physical. It's mental and spiritual. From a guy who was doing that in the beginning of go you know fighting everybody and all of that. and that's why I stayed with it. It wow. goes deeper and deeper, and you know you're you're training your body, you're training your mind, and you're training your spirit.
0: Yeah oh, that's that's great. that that's a great uh, encapsulation, Tim. So one of your other lands, uh, I understand is Skyland.
1: I wasn't interested in flying at all. Uh, I was doing rock climbing. So uh, this is midlife, you know, I'm in my thirties, pushing 40. I'm doing this rock climbing and uh, the rappelling down the side of the mountain. Right. From there, I went to paragliding. (laughs) You go to the top of a mountain and you are just sailing. It's the most beautiful feeling in the world. Sometimes there are birds there you know, that go by. And one day I was there and an airplane went right in front of me. And I, I, it was another one of those moments I thought I could do that. My first uh, instructor said, I don't think you can be a pilot. I, I, no matter what I do, you're having trouble landing this airplane. Mm. I was crestfallen. I thought, geez, maybe I can't be a pilot. But I found somebody else who wasn't as critical, who was more emphasized the positive. Okay. And I went on and I got my pilot's license. And then from there, I went on to fly helicopters. Right. And I got my commercial helicopter's license and I flew gyrocopters. And then I also went on to do aerobatic flying. uh, We used to take this plane up. We would sit on a parachute that was strapped to us. Uh The guy goes, okay, there's two pins in the door. If something goes wrong and we can't get out of it, you pull those pins and you bail out (laughs) and then pull the chute. That was comforting. um, Oh, it was great. I'm telling you, we did everything with this airplane. We did these spirals down. We did Cuban 8s. We did loops. We did snap rolls. There wasn't anything that, that this guy couldn't do with that airplane. It was unbelievable. When I was in college, yeah. Uh, another one where someone told me I couldn't do something or be something. Oh. I was in calculus, pre-engineering. One day the calculus instructor said, I want you to come to my uh, my office. And he said, I don't think you should be an engineer. I don't think you can do that. And I left his office I was crying. I mean, I've got to be an engineer. I mean, this is what I want to do. I just have to get through this, this course. And I was able to get through the course. I just had to work really hard. But in engineering courses like statics and dynamics, where you're actually doing things with physical things and figuring it out, I was getting, like, really high grades. Years later, I got to go back to a reunion at that college. I mean, I went on there from there to the University of Iowa. I got a uh, engineering degree. And from there, I went to UCLA and I got a master's in engineering. Go back and I had my card, which said I was manager of the entire engineering uh, department at this major top five engineering company, top five in the world. Yeah, And I showed it to him. The turning point is I could have believed him and and dropped out of engineering and God knows where I would have gone. But the the key is there and with the pilot that who told me, I don't think you can be a pilot. You know, I, when I look at my life, I go, I've lived a blessed life.
0: God, I
1: am. I am so grateful to have, there's like, there's nothing more I want to do now except share and and, and you know, what skills I have help other people, A- and also to delve into who are we, how does our mind operate, and how can I help others to understand that so that they don't suffer and they
0: they live fulfilling lives. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for taking us along on your adventure ride. Uh, we actually have more lands to explore with you but we're going to have to cover them in our next episode. Okay?
1: Okay, Bill. It's been a pleasure.
0: It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been But You're Not Funny podcast. I'm Bill Hoverston. Please like and subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you soon. (laughs) Thanks for listening to But You're Not Funny. Please subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Bill Hoverston. You can see my work at BillHoverston.com. It's been a pleasure.